In today's episode, we're going to go back some years. We're going to talk about a woman who was abused so much, she decided to take matters into her own hands. Was it justified? And what drove her to take it to that point? Today's episode, we talk about Lorena Bobby. What up? Nothing. What's up, horror one and crime peeps? Anything uh, exciting happening for you? Um, I started a new show. Ooh, what show? It's called Only Murderers in the Building. I saw a preview for that. I haven't watched it, but it looked good. With Steve Martin, right? And uh, Martin, Martin Short, Short and yeah. Selena Gomez. Yes, yes. Yeah, um, me and the husband, we're only one episode in because we started it late. And we're old. So, <laughs> but I'm intrigued. I'm definitely going to go back and finish it. it it's kind of like tongue in cheeky type okay. feel, but uh, it was funny. I was getting into it. Yeah. They, they make fun of podcasters like right off, like the first 45 seconds of the show. Wow. So it's really funny. funny. <laughs> like for the first like minute and a half, the husband just kept like looking over at me and I'm You're like, like, I feel attacked. <laughs> I mean,. Honestly, an honor, though, if uh, if they're making fun of, if I would let them make fun of me, because <laughs> they're just legends. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> That's great. I definitely want to watch that one. Yeah, today's episode's a crazy one, um, and we're going to be sipping down on some Cherry Republic's Cherry Moscato wine, and this was donated very nicely by Charlotte and Lorenzo Lentini, so thank you, guys. Thank you. So, Lorena Bobbitt, she is a woman who became, um, let's say, famous after she sliced off her husband's penis in 1993. This wild story is definitely more than it seems, and there's a lot more to Lorena than just, you know, her chopping off her husband's business. She has dealt with a lot, and she's since evolved to an advocate for survivors of domestic violence. So who is Lorena Bobbitt? She was born uh, Lorena Leonor Gallo in Bouquet, Ecuador in 1969. She grew up in Caracas, Venezuela with two younger siblings. Her father worked as a dental technician and the family led a middle-class lifestyle. After a trip to the United States that was actually a gift from her family uh, for her quinceanera, Lorena always wanted to live in the country. Uh, Her family, though, was unsuccessful in an attempt to emigrate. In 1987, she actually obtained a student visa, so she was able to head over to the U.S. Um, And to earn money, she worked as a nanny and later took a position at a nail salon. And in 1988, Lorana met John at a club for enlisted men, who was then at the time a U.S. Marine. And at that time, Lorena was a community college student in Virginia. John became Lorena's first boyfriend when they first began dating. The pair were married on June 18, 1989, and she was 20, he was 22. Lorena has said that her husband became violent a few weeks after their wedding in 1989, saying that John hit her when she voiced her disapproval of his dangerous driving when they were returning home from a bar. 
And she said that the violence in the relationship continued from that point with John striking and raping her. Only a couple weeks in, my lord. Seriously, like, that's horrible. Like, I I honestly cannot imagine, like, someone thinking that someone's one way and then they marry them and they turn into, like, this unrecognizable, like, violent person that you... I mean, just it has to come out of nowhere. Yeah, unfortunately, I feel like it probably happens way more than we know. I know. That's so sad. A lot of time, the arguments, they stemmed from her questioning his spending habits or having people stay in their apartment with, like, no advance notice. Yeah, that would piss me off, too, if I was her, because it's both of their homes, not just his. Like, he could at least say, hey, heads up, you know, I let this person know they could stay the night. Are you cool with that? You know, not just, like, him trying to control everything. Like, he's in charge. Like, it's not a shared place. Yeah, it's kind of freaking flop house, bro. Yeah, exactly. According to Lorena, John forced her to get an abortion when she became pregnant at one point. She actually has said that at the abortion clinic, he was taunting her about how the procedure would kill her. Oh, my gosh. Like... That's just disgusting. It's a special place in hell for him. It's, yeah, seriously. After John left the Marines in 1991, Lorena's work at a nail salon, uh, that just became the couple's main source of income. She also stole from her employer, stating that she acted due to financial pressure um, as she and John weren't able to keep up with their mortgage payments on the home that they purchased in 1990. She also admitted to shoplifting dresses, which she said occurred because she wanted to improve her appearance to keep her husband from seeing other women. Like, which reading that, it's so sad to me that women feel like they have to go to such far lengths just so that their husbands won't, like, leave or cheat on them. Like, to steal dresses just to, like, keep his attention. That's... Sh- that's not how a relationship should be if she feels she need, needed to go to those lengths. No, absolutely not. And the it, fact that, you know, she can't even go out and buy herself just a nice dress just to feel pretty. Yeah, like about herself. Yeah, that's so sad. Um, police were called to the Bobbitt's home on multiple occasions, actually. In February 1991, John pleaded guilty to assault and battery. Um, unfortunately, though... The charges were dismissed after he went through counseling, which, like, I don't really know how to feel or what to say about that. Like, you know, I do believe people can improve and, you know, grow, but I I don't know, like, if he should have just, like, his charges should have been dropped right like that. I mean, obviously, as we're seeing, they shouldn't have, but, yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. I think... There should have been some, like, heavy counseling, like... Yeah. And he had to have, like, proof and signatures and, you know... Right, like, taken more seriously. The couple eventually separated in October of 91, but then reunited a year later. In April of 1993, they moved into a new apartment in Manahas? Manhasas? Manhasas, I'm not sure. Um... And on June, June 21st, 1993, Lorena began the process of filing for a protective order because the past violence had not stopped. Well, and it just keep going. Yeah. And John has denied he was abusive during the marriage. In his version of the story, Lorena was extremely jealous, and he actually says that 
she was the one who hit him. If he struck her, it was while protecting himself. Okay. Like, seriously? Yeah, I don't know about that. (laughs) His attorney stated that terminating Lorena's pregnancy was a mutual decision between the two of them and him not forcing her like she was claiming. John has offered the explanation that Lorena was upset that he planned to divorce her, putting her green card and ability to become a U.S. citizen at risk. And in 1993, Lorena denied that her marriage took place because she wanted to stay in the country. She once told Vanity Fair in an interview, I thought John was very handsome, blue eyes, a man in uniform, you know. Wait a minute. Sounding kind of familiar. Blue eyes, a man in uniform. <laughs> like like a pilot uniform <laughs> oh wait no that's my husband Lowe's hub yeah but he's not abusive <laughs> no I hope not blink twice if you need help <laughs> <laughs> he was almost like a symbol a marine fighting for the country I believe this is a beautiful country I was swept off my feet and I just wanted the American dream like I get that there's two sides to every story, but I feel like, I mean, for his side of the story, what he's claiming to be true, I just feel like she would have to be some sort of horrible sociopathic person to just make up and lie on him about all that stuff. So I just don't buy his version of the story at all. Like, if I'm I think, not mistaken, he wasn't a little guy. No. And she wasn't a big woman. And he already was charged previously like we said with assault and battery so clearly like he has these issues it's not like you know hunky-dory all the time in their relationship and one of my closest friends is an ex-marine and i would have to say that i know damn well he could protect himself yeah oh i'm sure like pretty much all of those guys so if he's an ex-marine you're gonna tell me you're getting beat up by your wife yeah and she was pretty i think she was pretty small too i look i believe so yeah yeah, so it's it doesn't make any sense. Um, so now let's talk about the day of June 23rd, 1993, which um, this was the castration of John Bobbitt. In the early hours of June 23rd, Lorena Bobbitt took an eight-inch knife from her apartment's kitchen and cut off the cockadoodle-doo, you know, the penis of her <laughs> husband. cockadoodle-doo. John Wayne Bobbitt. Uh, you know, bold move, honey. Uh, bold move. <laughs> I was curious how she was going to... Address that? Uh, yeah, I was wondering what kind of uh, pun you were going to use. Probably wasn't <laughs> expecting that one. That kind no, of No, no, that was... Uh, slid right out. <laughs> no it's all right. Intended. We're going to roll with it. Leaving it in. Um... So, yeah, she then drove away from their apartment and threw the severed goods into a field in Manassas, Virginia. Uh, after this act, she can, com- you know, the, the, you know, the act of cutting his penis off she committed <laughs> became public. The media dove in to cover everything from John's, you know, success. He had a successful penis reattachment surgery all the way to Lorena's trial in 1994, which I'm sorry if I make anyone mad by saying this but am i the only one who's kind of bummed that his penis surgery was successful in reattaching um no i stand there with you (laughs) my biggest thing is i just want to be like watching the guys that are out in the field looking for it like (laughs) you know which one i'd be like found it we got it (laughs) honestly Uh. 
I would love to hear the conversations going on with them. While How many puns why they were looking for it? Like, exactly. Oh my god. <laughs> Lorena has stated multiple times that she was a victim of domestic violence throughout her marriage and that her husband had raped her shortly before she decided to castrate him. I mean, like, kind of like respect. Like, I don't blame her at all for doing that. Like, now I don't know if I personally would go through to that extent and do that. But, like, I mean, once someone's pushed that far to the edge, I I get it, you know? Especially if you're being raped over and over again. Yeah. Like, she had to feel so helpless, like, in her own home. So John denied any abuse. Lorena was found not guilty of wounding her husband. Wounding her <laughs> yeah. husband. Due to them saying temporarily insanity brought on by the trauma that she had endured. She was resumed she resumed the use of her maiden name of Lorena Gallio and has since become an advocate for victims of domestic violence. Yeah, and can I just say like I love that she has come out on the other side of all of this just as an ambassador and support system for other people who are going through similar things. Like the same things that she had to endure during her marriage. I think that that says a lot about her, that she can come out on the other side from this whole publicity storm of the event and just, like, her main goal being to help other people in that same situation. Yeah, and if any men are listening, take note. Don't hit your women because you do not know what she's going to do while you sleep. Exactly. She might snip, snip, cut it cut it right off. And now that we know that it can be found and can be reattached, it might just go in the ninja. Oh, you know, that would get the job done. That probably would do it. I don't think the reattachment surgery would be very successful after that. I put a pickle in there over the weekend. Interesting. I was making tuna salad. Oh, okay. I was curious. I didn't feel like cutting I couldn't. I couldn't buy in the small ones because <laughs> they were sold out everywhere. So I had only the big ones and I wanted to kind of cut it quickly. So I hey, put pickles in there. And improvisation. Wait. I love it. I'm just letting you know, it became relish real fast. Yeah. That's kind of got like the same, so, you know. Just yeah. wanted to paint all you guys a mental picture. You're welcome, man. <laughs> I wish you'll carry on. Yes. <laughs> so kind of going back and talking, taking you through the day of the penis cutting occurrence. <laughs> <laughs> According to Lorena, in the early hours of June 23rd, 1993, her husband came home drunk. He then raped her in their apartment. After the attack, she spotted a knife. When she went into the kitchen, she returned to the bedroom and cut it off. While he was sleeping, his penis no longer. Cut it right off. And yeah, again, sorry, not sorry. I don't blame her. She was probably, yeah, extremely worked up from just having been raped by him and also just fed up from the years of abuse that she's endured from him and she was still holding the knife and the severed organ and then drove away from the apartment building and ended up tossing the penis into a field before ending up at a friend's house like i just wonder like did she carry it out of the house in her hand was it like in a little ziploc you know to you know oh she probably had it right tight you know the yellow and green make blue <laughs> like did she just break the tongue like right. how did she take the, I'm, she probably just in a just a fit of rage just held it and 
sliced it right off. And no, no, just... no, no. I mean, on the way out to the car. Yeah, she probably just walked right out, got in the car, and then just chucked it out the window. Put it in her pocket like, you know, dynamite with his tacks. <laughs> yep, like... yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, she probably just had it in her hand. You know, just throw right. a cup holder until she gets to where she <laughs> wants to go. Yeah, and she went to her friend's house, and could you just imagine if I showed up at your house and I was like, listen to what I just did. <laughs> like, how would you, I don't you know. My dumb, like, you have it with you? <laughs> Let me see. That would have been my... Yeah, response. Yeah, when she was at her friend's house, they were urging Lorena to contact the police and tell them where she had thrown the penis. Um, so she did contact them and the police located it and, you know, like we said, the reattachment surgery was a success. Meanwhile, Lorena had a rape kit examination in the same hospital. The media went wild after news of Lorena's actions came out. Uh, some women's rights activists through, uh, thought the incident could, you know, lead to more awareness of domestic violence, but instead the case became a tabloid sensation and a topic for a few comedians out there. Um, which, like, I always remember hearing the story of a woman cutting off her husband's penis and throwing it out of the car while driving. But that was, like, the extent of what I knew. I didn't know, like, her name or the situation or any other details. So I definitely agree that, like, the domestic violence lesson got lost in the more, you know, shop shocking topic of the whole story. Um, so that is really sad that, like, you know, she went through all that and then the only thing people focus on is the castration yeah i was 13 when all this was happening so i probably things i remember seeing it on was probably like snl mm -hmm. and yeah stuff like that yeah it was kind of a big topic yeah everything that's at the snl though i true so let's move on to the trials in november of 1993 john went on trial for his sexual assault and although lorana had accused him of rape at the time, Virginia law required the couples to be living separately or for serious physical injuries to occur for a charge of marital rape. Ah, sorry. I had just like the biggest. No, you're good. <laughs> um, yes. So he was unfortunately found not guilty. In January of 94, Lorena's trial then began. She had been charged with malicious wounding, which put her at risk for up to 20 years behind bars and possible deportation from the United States. During the televised proceedings, Lorena testified that her husband had raped her and hit her throughout their marriage. Her defense team argued that she had been tormented by years of abuse and driven temporarily insane and that in slicing off her husband's penis, she had been subject to an irresistible impulse. The prosecution's case included a statement Lorena had given to police in which she said, he always have orgasm and he doesn't wait for me to have orgasm. <laughs> Red flag. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> anyways, she... She later stated that that interview was inaccurate because she didn't have access to a translator, which I do think is, you know, that's messed up and not fair because a translator definitely should have been provided for any important interviews for her because that statement just made it seem like, you know, that was the reason that she did that. And that's not true at all. 
During Lorena's trial, John testified that he had never committed any acts of violence against his wife. However, other witnesses supported the fact that Lorena had appeared with bruises and stated that John had been seen hitting and shoving his wife. Friends of John's actually said under oath that they had heard him express a liking for forced sex. Like, and this guy gets not guilty even after his friends are admitting that. Like, that's so messed up to me. Yeah, just that you guys, not you, but Mm -hmm. them guys, even think that it's funny or to even make jokes or, you know, like, I don't know, if you came up to me and said, you know, the only way you can get off is if I beat the crap out of my husband, like. That's very alarming. I'd be like, okay, okay, honey. Yeah, you need some therapy, girl. (laughs) You need to talk. Yeah, Um, (laughs) you need some help because that's not okay. Yeah, that's uh, really upsetting to, like, hear that his friends were just, like, I don't know, that he told them that and, like, it was nothing. Yeah, and that they didn't even maybe reach out to help her. Right, yeah. Like, they just, I feel like a lot of times that can happen, you know, friends will hear things that are kind of, like, make them raise an eyebrow, but they're, like, they just kind of let it slide because they're, like, oh, you know, maybe he was just, like joking or whatever but yeah a lot of times i mean maybe it's just more on the guy side guys are mm -hmm. i don't know yeah and it depends on the the people too it's not so outside the courtroom the atmosphere was kind of nuts on the radio station served up on the red one radio station served up hot dogs and sliced soda Chocolate penises and t-shirts with the slogan, Manassas. I'm not sure if we're saying that right. Yeah, it's Um, just the city that they live in. A cut above the rest were available for purchase like it was some sort of concert or a festival or something, but not everyone considered the case a joking matter. Like her family probably did not need to see that. No, that's, that's honestly like, that's messed up. I get it. Save it until after the conviction. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I get it, but probably wrong wrong place, wrong time to do that. Though they weren't the focus of much media coverage, members of the Hispanic community regularly came out to the courthouse to show their support for Lorena. On January 21st, 1994, Lorena was found not guilty due to temporary insanity meaning she did not have to spend time in prison for wounding John. Following their acquittal, she was sent to a hospital for a 45-day psychiatric evaluation as required by Virginia state law, after which she was released. It was probably a vacation for her. Yeah, honestly, I hope that it was a positive experience for her, just to kind of, like, reset and, like, yeah, talk to a therapist and just kind of get back on the positive path. I hope it was a positive experience for her overall. Just, I'm sure it was much better than obviously being in the home with her husband. Yeah, absolutely. So life after her acquittal, um, despite her fame, I guess you'd say, um, following the attack and trial, Lorena chose to remain in the Manassas area. When asked why she chose to stay there by the New York Times in 2019, She responded by saying, I live here. This is my home. Why should he have the last laugh? Which, like, facts. That is true. She shouldn't have to leave because of things that he did. 
Oh, I agree. Yeah. Um, Lorena became a U.S. citizen in the summer of 1994. Her divorce from John was finalized in 1995. She accepted money for some appearances in South America, but has said she rejected the $1 million offered if she would pose for Playboy, which, like, I don't know, like, the fact that she was offered to pose for Playboy after iconically cutting her husband's penis off is just, like, kind of hilarious to me. (laughs) Hey, man, if I had the body for it, I mean... I know, a million bucks, I'd be like, sure, sign me up. (laughs) To earn a lyric, to, man, sorry. <laughs> it's the wine. It's, it's a new one, and it's uh, a little stronger than usual. <laughs> right. To earn a living, she worked as a cosmetologist and an administrative assistant and a real estate agent. She has also become a domestic violence advocate. With Lorena Gallio Foundation, founded in 2007, Lorena created an organization to help victims of domestic violence and their children and to raise awareness of the issue as a whole. She has explained that she did not know of the option to seek refuge in a shelter during her marriage. She has also revealed, as an immigrant woman, I was often too scared to call the police for help. My abusive husband always threatened that he could have police detain me and have me deported back to my country. That's so sad, you know, to live not only in fear from, like, being physically harmed, but also the threats of him being, like, I'm going to deport you. You know, just not feeling secure in any part of the relationship is really sad. Sadly, sometimes I wonder, like, would she have been better if she would have called his bluff and said deport me then? Right, yeah. Just to get away from him? Yeah. You know? Right. But, I mean, she might have had too much invested here. I don't... I don't know what her old country life was like. Yeah, I'm not sure the conditions of where she lived, if it was well, worth it, it for was, her, but yeah. yeah. It, it sucks all around to have that situation. Yeah. While attending Northern Virginia Community College, after her trial, Lorena met a man named David Bellinger. The two were friends before their romantic relationship even developed. They eventually got together and created a family. Their daughter, Olivia, was born in 2005, though Lorena had sometimes referred to Bellinger as her husband. She opted not to marry him. Probably smart on her end. Yeah, probably a lot of, you know, PTSD from the the first marriage and him switching up right after they got married. Just a side note, for more content on this story, there is actually a documentary and Lifetime movie about it. Lorena took part in Lorena in 2019 documentary that was produced by Jordan Peele. The program revisited how her claims of domestic violence had been swept aside in 93, how the media focused really on only John's severed penis. Sorry, my maturity. (laughs) Lorena also served as an executive producer and narrator for the 2020 film called I Was Lorena Bobby. Um, also, guys, we want to include some help info because this is such a serious topic that so many people deal with on a daily basis. I know we were, like, joking about, you know, the, the chopping off the PP part, but um, <laughs> but honestly, like, the, the topic overall of domestic abuse is very, very serious, and it happens way more than we all think, um, sadly. So we just want to drop some, you know, some resources 
So if you or someone you know is struggling with any type of domestic violence, please, please, please reach out to the National Domestic Violence Hotline. You can call 800-799-SAFE, so 800-799-7233. You can also text START to 88788. You can go to thehotline.org where they have a live chat to talk to someone for help. It's available 24-7, it's free, and it is always confidential, so you don't have to worry about, you know, feeling like you're exposing yourself. So please do not hesitate to reach out to them if you are in any kind of abusive relationship. It's so important. They will not judge you or get you in trouble or put you in danger. They're just simply there to help you. And no one, like, I mean, no one deserves to be in any kind of relationship like that. You are worthy of more and you're not stuck. You absolutely can get out of that situation to live a free and happy life. And more importantly, I guarantee you're not alone. Mm-mm, no. Lots of people sadly deal with this. And so just to come together and stand up to it is just so important. Um, but yeah, that that is the story of Lorena Bobbitt. Um, crazy story. Honestly, I, I respect her so much just for, you know, coming out on the other side and becoming an advocate and helping other people for the main part. But also just iconic. <laughs> Oh, for sure. Like I said, I was 13 when it came out. And um, just kind of thinking, like, I don't know why or how I suppressed one of my memories. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not an abusive memory. This is probably a little bit off topic. But um, when I was younger, I... Um, there was a man that lived down the street and he was kind of like quiet. Nobody talked to him. Just kind of, you know, you've seen him come and go. Yeah. Well, then one day he decided to shoot his wife and kill her. She's about seven houses down from when we grew up. Wow. And I remember walking past the house with my friends, Michelle and Janet. And uh, there was like blood like on the porch and on the front like walk. And we were just like, oh, my God, you know, blah, blah, blah. And ended up being, like, one of those houses, like, I dare you to go up to the porch, yeah. you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, oh, my God, look at the blood. You know, and I was probably seven, eight, mm-hmm. maybe at the time. Yeah. So I'm just, like, looking back, you know, and then, like, the Lorena Bobbitt story I was kind of, you know, fascinated with. Yeah. But I was a little bit older when that came out. But I'm like, wasn't my destined to just my destiny to be entwined in like true, true crime, crime somehow yeah. like is that where it all started standing in front of the house seeing the blood like that's where your fascination for it stemmed whoa, I bet. like that's real blood she really died like, yeah um i don't think he ever got convicted i don't remember hearing anything um again i don't know why it took me so long to remember this We've been doing this podcast for a while. I've been entwined in true crime for a while. It was a suppressed memory. Yes. um, But when I thought about it, like, I immediately called my mom and my sister and I was talking to them about it. And then I called my two friends and I'm like, do you remember? Or, like, am I crazy? And they're like, oh, my God, no. Mr. Valentine killed his wife. His last name was Valentine. Mr. Valentine. How ironic, right? That's kind of like... 
I mean, I'm very sad that she died, but that's like a cool like killer name, Mr. Valentine. So, um, according to my mom and, you know, my friends, um, they don't remember anything happening. I tried talking to my sister, but she's like, I think we were older when it happened. She's like, I feel like it was yesterday. I was like, it wasn't yesterday. <laughs> I was like, I was like seven. Like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. And my <laughs> friends confirmed my sister doesn't know what she's talking about. So she, she was a bad reference. Um, but yeah, like. That's crazy. So what I want to know, like, what are your guys's story? Like, what got you into true crime? Do you have one of those houses on your block? you have a murder in your neighborhood or someone you know yeah. or I want to know your cool story like yeah like what got you like just interested in true I feel like once anybody is like into true crime they're like invested and they like hang on to like every detail so yeah like like Lo said what got you guys into it like send us your stories because we definitely want to hear about them yeah, I just, uh, I feel like most people have some kind of cool story. And uh, you can email us at horrorwinecrime at gmail.com. And uh, we'll, you know, read it out loud to everybody and uh, talk about it. I'd yeah. love to hear it. We'd love to hear it. So tell us your story. What, uh, what true crime happened close to you? Yeah, definitely. Reach out. Um yeah, so check out our our socials, you know, Horror, Wine, and Crime at all of them. The website, horrorwineandcrime.com. And do not forget about the contest coming up, the, uh, the giveaway. Yes, we have a couple more weeks. Um, we are going to post some pictures tonight and post it to the social um, so you can see what's in there. Um, so that'll be fun, pretty exciting. We've had quite a few people put tickets in, so... Uh, get some, get us some more tickets. Get in there. Get your name in there, and uh, it only costs you one dollar to try. Yeah, and really cool stuff that we have. And if you do, you know, happen to miss this one, we do have another one next month, so you can get in on that one as well. And a few people have said that the donate button on the website was a little confusing, um, because it is under, I believe, the wine tab. Yeah, I think that's where it's at. Mm-hmm. However, um, so people were just coming up to me and just giving me cash or sending me cash um, through, like, PayPal or Zelle or whatever just by asking me. So I did post the PayPal link on our Horror, Wine, and Crime Facebook page. Mm -hmm. So all you got to do is go to our main page, and um, I'll post it again tonight to refresh it underneath the picture of the stuff. So hopefully it'll be easier for people to find the donate button. But I believe... What's the last Saturday in... Um, let me look. I want to say you said it was the 25th. Yes, the the 25th is the last Saturday. Okay, so... About three, so like in three more weeks. Two and a half, I'd say. Okay, so September 25th, uh, me and KK will do a drawing, and uh, we're excited, so... Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. But, um... Just making random noises over here. We do that. You guys should hear us when we first turn on the mics. It's oh a, my it's God. a show. <laughs> uh, my husband got to see it. Live audience. He's never here when we record. He's <laughs> home tonight. and He's just like, oh, dear God. Yeah, I don't know how he felt about it, but uh, it was a show. <laughs> yeah. 
So, all right. Well, on that note, we got to go. Bye. Stay creepy. Bye. Bye.